These are the Keishi Tapes. You, Man, and Favaz explore the backstories and interviews heard on Keishi, the longest-running rock station in the country. Welcome to the Keishi Tapes. I'm John Hewlett along with... Favaz. Hi, John. How you doing, man? Good. Good. Uh, what is this, episode 100 and... Uh, it's 532, one... I think. Are we by any chance in the 190s? No, we're not. Oh, oh. No, we're in the low 180s. I think we're about 182, uh-huh. 183, wow, something well, like yeah, that. There's a lot of them. Yeah. And we still have many more yet to go through. Yeah. Yeah, I, I found I found two by this guy that we're going to do today. We're going to do the fir- very first one I did, and it's uh, Jason Newstead, who used to be in Metallica. Yeah, I can't believe we haven't done him before. Yeah. Yeah, I, for whatever reason, we haven't. Um, you know, he was just in the news saying that uh, he was asked to play bass in the Van Halen reunion, kind of, mm-hmm. the tribute that they were going to do with Alex Van Halen and Joe Satriani. And he says today that it was the media's fault, uh, that it was a ra- some outfit in, in Florida that, that misconstrued his words. I, I, I don't know. It's mm. just all BS. So we don't know if that thing's happening yet or not. Do, we do not. No. Yeah. No. I guess the ultimate word on that would be from Alex Van Halen. Yes, yeah. and he is not one. Or, and yeah, and Wolfgang is not going to be a part of it. So, oh, he's not. No, he's not. Oh, so he's, well then. he's uh, you know, hmm. if it, if it uh, if it happens, uh, he might say something about it, but uh, he won't be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, you can't even really trust David Lee Roth what he's saying. Absolutely on not. Yeah, no, yeah. no. So this interview though, mm-hmm. February fourth, nineteen ninety seven. This is the interview. I was recording this on Dat Player, digital audio tape, with uh, Jason Newstead, and he happened to notice, um, he looked down about a minute or two into it, that it wasn't recording. Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, it, it wasn't. So it was one of those, either I missed, hit the record button or didn't hit the record button or whatever. And uh, I, I felt so stupid. I was just like, oh, my God, this is the bass player from Metallica because yeah. he was in Metallica at the time. And he was he was a total gentleman about it. Uh, he laughed yeah. about it. He redid the interview. He redid, uh, you know, some of the questions. He he was perfect. So how, how far along in the interview were you? I think, he... I think about a minute or two. Oh, just not, a minute or two. Not not long. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, you, you can you can hear me say. Boy, yeah. that was a good answer too. You know, <laughs> and mean, he did it all over again. He did it all know? over again. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's probably been in those situations. You know, oh, we we didn't hit record. You know, yeah. we've all been. If you've been, if you're in an industry at all where you record stuff, you know that can occasionally happen. So yes. that's probably why he was so congenial about it. Yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. Jason Newstead. What was the year time frame again? Uh, February fourth, nineteen ninety seven. They were playing at uh, what is now Enterprise Center. And pause. Hold on. Is it up here? Yep. Okay. That was a damn good answer, too. <laughs> that, that was a damn good answer, too. Yeah, you said something about just like the you, man. What was that? I did? Yeah. I didn't hear that part. You didn't hear that? No. Hmm. Okay. Here we go. Right, right, let's maybe, do it again. Maybe, did you forget to... Uh, I don't, maybe. <laughs> I could have swore you said just like the you, man. But I, that part I didn't hear. I don't know why you would say that to him. He doesn't know who I was. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm hearing things. All right. He's saying that's okay. All right. Thank you. No. Did you smoke before the show? No, I did said? not. Is that what he said? He <laughs> yeah. said that too? Yeah. I got good hearing, dude. I just went, oh, I just came oh, back from yeah, the ear doctor. Right, you do. You did. So I got amazing hearing for a 65-year-old elderly person. 
off tonight too, oh, so okay. I was. So no, I want to do. So I always do these straight, man. <laughs> Had it set up, but all right. I always do these. <laughs> 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 Thank you very much, Jason. Favaz here, KC95, backstage at the Keel Center, right before the <laughs> Metallica COC show with me is Jason Newstead, the bass player from Metallica. Jason, it's deja vu. How are you? It's all over again. <laughs> St. Louis, man, you know, good to be here. And, and why is he not in Metallica again? He just had a falling uh, out. He wanted to leave, and I, th- I think Lars and James wanted him to leave too, but... You know, he's he's been gone for quite some time. Yeah, you I interviewed know. his replacement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cook, um, Robert Torrijo. Robert Torrijo. Yeah, I wish I could find that interview. Oh, and we're here to uh, show him what it's all about one more time. Uh, let's talk about uh, Load did did very well for you guys. I hear now that, uh, that that when you you finished Load last year, you had all these extra songs ready to go. We just heard, I just read the other day that the, the next Metallica record could be coming out this year, this summer. Is that actually true? Uh, we're going to start working on it in the summer. Um, this part of the North American tour of the you know the major world tour thing here ends in May of this year in the states, and in June we'll go into work on the other songs that were written to actually be on the initial load album. But once time constraints started taking place, there was no way that we could have got them out right. So these other twelve or fourteen songs or whatever are on the back burner. The drum tracks have been recorded, um, which is the big chunk of everything, and so we have to go in and do the finishing stuff. We'll do it in San Francisco again. And uh, release it for Christmas of this year, which will be uh, quite a different um, chain of events to take place in this. You know, we kind of go in five or six year increments uh, as far as the releasing of an album and touring and what it takes and all that kind of thing. This time we're releasing, you know, two records in a couple years. That's something that's never happened for Metallica before. Um, it's that's stuff that that's something that used to happen all the time in the early yep. days of rock. Uh, yeah, you know, people, uh, artists would put out two albums in in, in a year occasionally yeah a ccr back in, i think it was 69 or something put out three in one year three yeah that's incredible yeah where's the button oh there it is we already have these songs ready <laughs> and we want to continue make this tour actually a, the longest tour probably that we've ever done but it'll be over you know spread out more comfortably and we can maybe call the shots a little bit better this time but there will be another metallica record this year is it uh, a, a radical departure from Load, or is it still kind of, uh, how, would you, how would you describe that? All these 30 songs were written in the same basic time frame, three months, maybe the, you know, roughly the same mindset. It was all in Lars's uh, dungeon in his, you know, his house, and um, came from all the same pile of tapes and that kind of thing. Um, so there will be those similarities because of those reasons. But it uh, it is also 18 months later, and some will be two years later. Will be by the time we get to playing them, actually laying down the guitar and the bass tracks and vocal tracks on there. So whatever we've taken in through our filters over these past two years, music and books and people and whatever, then that will also affect you know the playing on the record. I'm I'm hoping that. I mean, I, I think confidently I can say I'm going to be a better bass player when it comes time to play those tracks, and, and the other guys are going to be better players doing what they do to um, you know apply that to those songs so there would be those differences as well. Did those songs ever come out? Uh, I think Reload is what he was talking about. Okay. There was Load, and then Reload came out afterwards, mm-hmm. I think. so. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I was just uh, sitting here thinking, that, was, that interview happened 25 years ago. Wow. 25, yeah. and, you know, it, it still sounds like, it was yesterday because digital audio tape. Yeah. 25 years ago. 
But even the digital thing d- didn't doesn't matter. We're playing back cassette tapes that were recorded thirty yeah. and like the Evil Knievel that we did a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and they sound great too. Yeah, the only medium that struggles uh, is reel to reel, and we've mm-hmm. we've successfully played some of those too. Yeah. But they can sound a little messed up, yeah, a little muddy can. and stuff. Yeah, but all these others, man, are still sounding great after all these years. Jason, you've been in the band now eleven years. Uh, is it everything you expected? Uh, and plenty more. Um, there's a lot Is of things that you, many kids dream of. You know, I, you're sitting, that, that might have been the question that, that he noticed. Hey, you weren't recording, dumbass. Oh. <laughs> Is it everything you expected and more? You know? Or whatever, and had my bass there and sit in its case, and I'd listen to Sabbath records and just stare at it and just look at the posters on the wall, you know, and just like I'm sure a thousand kids did today in St. Louis or whatever. Um did those kind of things and dreamed how it would be and travel around the world to do what you do and all that kind of thing. Those things have all come true. Those things have all been fulfilled and they continue to get better. This is the best tour that I've ever been on in my life because of the way that we're able to call the shots and make our own hours as far as plane flights and those kind of things and then take a couple of weeks off when we need to and not burn ourselves out and really stay strong you know, for the stage and that kind of thing. Having this much of a different stage to play on every night makes it fresh. Those kind of things. Yeah, they play on some big stages, yeah. man. He he wasn't an original. No, member, he was not. Cliff you know. Burton was. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So he kind of. But I saw the show. I, I did see this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I stayed for that show that night. And I remembered well. Yeah. yeah. All those expectations were met. And then the little things that so many people that work so hard to make, do all these little things to make the big machine roll. You know, those are the people that uh, I never could have imagined. It took so much to make it happen. And I, and it's easy to see why so many bands are like here today type of thing or bands that last just a couple years or when they try to tour, they just can't do any kind of uh, serious, you know, time, a couple months and they're freaked, you know, that kind of thing. And we have been able to do, you know, 20 months at a time and because of all these people that work so hard and I can see why um, if people aren't really up to snuff that a lot of things could fall through the cracks and, you know, something yeah. could break down. So, mm-hmm. I mean, really, you talk about a big operation. Yeah. It, it'd be a huge operation if it was in one spot all the time. Right. That like, would like be Vegas. Huge. <laughs> yeah. Now move it every day. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. mind-boggling yep. how they do that fortunate to have people that work with a lot of pride to make our thing happen and come back year after year you know 15 years of metallica now and people are spending their hard-earned money to come and see the metallica show that they know they're going to get their bucks worth that's all there is to it we've always proven that uh, recording wise and yeah. live wise so um yeah. speaks truth there too mm-hmm. yeah and getting into this was the coolest thing that ever could have happened, and we continue to get to do what we want to do, play loud every night, like little kids. Man, we're like kids forever, hopefully, you know. How was your Lollapalooza experience for you? For me personally, it was great. Um, made a lot of new friends. Uh, I jammed with some people, got some stuff on tape, you know, uh, that kind of thing. Traveled around. I had my own bus for the summer, and I took my mountain bike out, and uh, so I did a lot of, you know, riding in between and kind of made use of the hours. It was a great way to warm up to a Big, you know, regular Metallica tour we play two and a half hours tonight or something. You know, on Lollapalooza it was hour and twenty minutes or an hour and a half depending on encores, and that's that's pretty casual. And doing that three times a week uh, during the summertime in the states, I mean, that's really pretty casual uh, schedule. There's a lot of free hours, and so I try to do some other things, some productive things with my hours in Lollapalooza. But uh, 
got hip to some new bands. I was going to ask you, who was who uh, your favorite band that you were introduced to and uh, jammed with? Or not even jammed with, but uh, who, who, was, who really caught your eye? Uh, my eyes and my ears both, I would say, were um, caught by Rage Against the Machine the, <laughs> in the biggest way. They, they came on for five shows with us. You know, some bands came on in different regions to come on for a few gigs. And they, um, they just blew me away with their prowess. You know, they really, you could tell that Tom, the guitar player, and all the, I mean, the bass guy too, but especially Tom, um, have sat in his room a lot of hours you know, with those little boss effects pedals and things just to make all these wonderful sounds come out of his instrument without using any, you know, too much gadgetry as far as uh, fake things. Yeah, Tom Morello is amazing. He, I, I think about Rage Against the Machine, and then I think he played with Bruce Springsteen. He was in the E Street Band for a while. He was? He he was for a, for a good while, yeah. Tom Morello? Yes, he was. Oh, how come I don't remember that? Yeah. Huh. Just un, un, unreal, man. Yeah, he he really is. And and to see and hear a, a fellow musician respect him and, and point it out. Talk about him. Yeah, in another band, it's uh, pretty pretty interesting. Rage was formed in 1991, so mm-hmm. they were six years old by then, mm-hmm. by the time uh, this interview happened. So mm. it's unreal. It's all real, produced out of your fingers, you know, out of your hands, and that kind of thing. Uh, I just it gains the utmost respect from me. Um, so those guys really turned me on. Why did Casey never play Rage Against the Machine? They were um, a little hard, and well, they were hard, and they from that time, and there, I guess a, that's when alternative radio started. That's that's the, that's who picked them up, you know. So because they were being played on alternative radio, Casey didn't feel comfortable with I, them I, fitting our <clears> format. <throat> I, I don't know. I mean, we, 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 we adapted the grunge. We we played all a lot well, of. We grunge did adapt bands. to grunge, but when we played Rage Against the Machine in uh, March Bandus, it was I saw it on uh, on our Facebook page. What's that noise? What oh. turn that turn that shit off? Yeah. You know that that's how the people reacted. But they might not have reacted that way out of the box if we'd have played it right away in the beginning when they were a thing. True. They might know. not have. It just feels like a I like mi- it. Personally, I like it. Yeah, but. it feels like a miss to me, especially when you got a guy as talented as Tom Morello doing what he was doing. I just don't see how he missed it. And, and, and Zach De La Rocha, who was the lead vocalist, who, mm. who really, uh, I mean, he was like... Um, Roger Waters, if you will, he 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 took uh, social issues and 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 fought them head on, mm-hmm. you know, back back even in that day, mm-hmm. you know, he he was like that. Maybe that's why too. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, Rancid, I got to know uh, pretty well. We actually got some stuff on tape, um, and just really really cool, alive sounding. You know, they really have a lot of juice, and I, I really enjoy uh, the Rancid thing. I watched them probably seventeen times or something out of the whole. I never wanted to miss them once I got to know them. I didn't miss their show because of the uh, just the inspiration of the the uh, interaction. He's know, talking about Rancid, yeah. Wh- who's another punk band, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, very cool. Must have been fun, fun with Soundgarden too. I would think they. It was all right, you know. A couple of those guys are pretty cool to talk to. I tried to get together with Matt to do some jamming and things like that. Um, they're on, they're up there a ways level wise. Now you know they've earned really uh, quite a bit of respect, and they could have headlined that thing by themselves, probably. You know, um, it's it's always strange. There's always some animosity between people. I guess when it comes up like that, 
but uh so there was something between you guys really I, no i wouldn't say no there's never like any bad words or things like that but you can always just feel certain things sometimes you know hmm. but yeah. overall i'm a, was, you know i went to that Lollapalooza that he's talking about that had Soundgarden and metallica and i don't remember who else it was in kansas city we took a bunch of listeners mm-hmm. and i remember Soundgarden um uh playing that that was the only time i ever saw them mm-hmm. with chris cornell and it was amazing yeah, and uh, Metallica, um, I think, came on afterward. I, I don't know if they 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 switched headlining gigs or, or you know one played one night, <clears throat> the other played another night. But it was the, you know to, to see both of those bands in one night was mm-hmm. amazing. So he's he's saying there was some tension between the two bands, nothing dramatic. Just yeah, yeah. You feel a certain uh, c- competitiveness maybe, but and people aren't, aren't willing to talk about it or right. or just open up. <clears throat> it's just kind of guarded. Right, that's what yeah. he was saying. Yeah. Soundgarden myself. I mean, the earlier records were a big deal for James and I, and uh, as they've come along, they still remain to be uh, one of the best songwriting bands. You know, there's so many bands that have fallen to the wayside um, that came up in whatever they came up in, you know, Northern California or San Francisco or uh, Seattle or whatever that grunge thing or whatever you want to say came up in that time when that music was being popular on the radio, they're one of the only bands that has remained strong and still can write good, listenable songs, you know, so that, uh, I like that about them. Didn't you take a bunch of crap from the guys in your band for working with other people, uh, like right before the load thing? Because, you, you know, you were telling me a little bit before that, you know, you, you've got your future planned out after Metallica, whatever, you know, you want to work and do this and that. Did, was that real bad? I mean, did they really give you a lot of grief for uh, going outside the band? Yeah, it was in uh, 93. Three, I guess it was. Um, I had just had my studio built for about six months, probably, in in California, and uh, just doing a lot of things in there, a lot of projects with other people, not necessarily heavy music, but some heavy music, some people that you know, folks would know the names, you know, guys in Sepultura and Exodus, and you know, many different bands, Machine Head and Melvins, and just lots of folks. And we get together with different uh, jazz players and, you know, lady soul singers and electronic musicians and sample players, whatever, just dub guys, anybody who would come and lay it down. And uh, I'd play just my style, you know, distorted bass with a pick and not pretend to know their jazz stuff or anything. And they didn't pretend to know my stuff. They didn't care about the platinum records on the wall or that kind of thing. They come in and go, wow, cool, and lay down their stuff, you know. Little do I know, they got seven jazz records that are like huge, and I have one of them. But I didn't know they were who they were, and they didn't know who I, you know, who I am or whatever. And that is, it's just beautiful. We go in and make this ugly soup, you know, and just get it all on tape, and it's great. More just about the interaction and self indulgence and everything. Anyway, what came down with Metallica was got together with a couple of guys and did a little bit more of a serious thing on kind of a. They were like heavy metal 101 songs, you know, like punk kind of songs. And uh, with, you know, vocals like Ode to uh, Sepultura vocals, you know. And uh, it kind of leaked out a little bit of the the Chop House is the name of our studio up there. And it kind of leaked out of the Chop House and got played on a station down in L.A. a couple days later. And the band heard of it and the management heard of it. And the uh, feces hit the rotary oscillator. (laughs) And uh, we had to... uh, That's a good one. The feces hit the rotary oscillator. (laughs) (laughs) had probably the well it is definitely the best meeting and the best talk that I've ever had with these guys in in my career um to really bring out everything that needed to be brought out after nine years or how many ever years it was at that time and uh the emotions ran high and uh you know everybody said what they wanted to say you know what they needed to be say it needed to be said for all these years and how long was he in Metallica um I don't know 
Yeah. I'll look, John. Yeah, please check that out. I do know that it Reload was the other album that came out later that year. That's the one he was talking yeah. about earlier, yeah. about mm-hmm. the music that they were putting together at that time. Because uh, right here he says it's been nine years. So uh, yeah, he was talking about... Um, He's been with the band nine years, first time they really aired things out yeah. and got some stuff off there. So it made me wonder how long he actually... Metallica bassist from 1986 to 2001, so 15 years. So after this talk, nine years, he lasted six more years yeah. in the band. Mm-hmm. And they came out and they... S- it was one of the factors, uh, I would like to think, that uh, brought about the acceptance and the bringing down of the shield of Lars and James to uh, let other people into their music and kind of put in our own two cents, uh, seeing that people really have a lot to offer of their own, you know, and that kind of thing hmm. um, that wasn't possibly recognized before. Um, they one of the factors. There's other things that go along with people growing up and realizing, you know, th- those kind of things, too, that all came in our time after the tour. Uh, those guys realizing and us realizing that we should step in, Kirk and I, you know. That's why the record sounds like it does. It's much more of a team effort. You know, everybody really got to put in, put in what they really wanted through their own personality on the disc without anybody else breathing down anybody else's neck. So it sounds like to me maybe they were taking you for granted all these years. I don't think that's true. Um, mm. but it's just a matter of I either needed to step up or something. It just Things happen for a reason, and that one did. I've been very careful about my projects since then. I've done 20 projects since then of that serious you know, nature or even more serious, but they're always protected very carefully now. The tapes are only made for the guys that play in the project, and then we send one tape to the copyright office for everything. But I have between 300 and 400 DAT tapes full of this music. Uh, there's no exaggeration. Uh, I have them in a fireproof safe in California, and that's just from the first four <laughs> years of the studio. And so it's and it's with all, I mean, it's with some people that, you know, are huge and some people that are just players for being players. And so it's, but it's all about, I mean, bottom line, no matter what, what took place in order to get to where we got with that kind of argument and all that kind of thing, I play this music and with other people in order to keep me fresh for Metallica, to keep me to be the best player I can in Metallica. When it comes for the 3,030th time tonight to play Seek and Destroy in St. Louis, I'm going to play it like I mean it. I'm going to play it with vigor. I'm going to play it with zeal. I'm going to play it for real. You know, it's me there doing, I mean, giving my 110% because it's fresh to me tonight. Because yesterday I spent 12 hours working with dub music and hip-hop music. You know, so today it's going to be different for me and going to be cool to be in Metallica. Makes sense. Yeah. He is a talkative dude. He is a very talkative dude. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I just looked up, you know, the documentary, Some Kind of Monster. Did you ever see that? I know we gave away copies of that, Casey did. Mm-hmm. It was after he quit in 2001. Uh, they released a documentary. And he they, quit they, or he was asked to leave? Uh, after Basin, he quit the band. Oh. That's what they said okay. here. Um, Metallica realized that they need an intervention. And in this revealing documentary, which it totally was, I've seen it, uh, they follow the three rock stars around as they hire a group therapist and grapple with 20 years of repressed anger and aggression. Hmm. So it's amazing that he stayed in there that long Mm -hmm. and didn't end up hating Lars and James. Yeah. You know? And he's the bass player. I mean, uh, 
and it's an important part of, of any band, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But they're pretty interchangeable. Yeah. And to be pushing an envelope, uh, in, especially in a band that is led by two very powerful characters, yes. figures, mm-hmm. in uh, Hetrick and uh, and and uh, Lars, um, seems to me like he kind of was being a little too uh, pushy for yeah, somebody who's, a little bit. whose job was not all that important because right. you know, obviously they replaced him. Right. And, and did so easily, mm-hmm. and he replaced somebody too pretty easily. Yeah, uh, Cliff Burton died in that bus accident in Europe, right. and he came in, and so I, it's it's weird. I mean, Metallica has always been James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich. Right, Ulrich. I mean that that is it. Yeah, you know, even Kirk has been there from the beginning. Kirk's Kirk. Yeah, you know, we've had him on the Acacia tapes. He's, he's yeah. a nice guy too. Yeah, he's the same way. But he goes with the yeah. flow. Yeah, he goes with the flow. And if anybody really could have pushed the envelope a little bit more, it probably was him. Yeah. Not yeah. the bass player. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. I want to be a strong bass player. That's why I do these other projects. That's cool. Uh, are we going to hear it here? That was a long-ass answer, man. Are, are we going to hear any of this stuff soon, though? I mean, are you going to put – is something coming out that we can look for Jason to be in very soon? Not very soon, but it will be sometime. And uh, when the time comes, you know, most of the stuff is done pretty much in a demo format. Has this stuff ever come out? I do don't remember. Maybe solo albums? He doesn't no. have anything like that? No, I don't remember. And when it comes time, I will pull Andreas from Sepultura, and I'll pull this guy from over here and this guy from over here, and we'll go in a real studio, lay down a few bucks, those bucks that I've saved I was telling you about, and we'll lay down the real thing so that I will be proud to hand that tape over to somebody and blow them out of the water. You know, not just something in a demo format. Well, you know, dude, it was recorded in two days. You know, you got to, like, you know, you know, mind that. Like, no, no. You listen to this and let it kick your ass. Hmm. And that's what I want, and one day it will happen. Did it ever happen? He's played with a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, the discography that I'm looking at right now is just unreal. So it has Echo Brain, well, Echo Brain was his band that he um, that he formed when he left Metallica. That was what it was called. Mm-hmm. But Flotsam and Jetsam is who he started with. He played it on a record with Government Mule. Oh, wow. Um, IR8 slash Sexotorica. I have no idea what that is. Then they've got all of the Metallica records. Uh, he's played with the Moss Brothers, um, Electrification, Electricis, Electricitation from Jason Newstead in 2001. So that's right when he quit. Mm. Um, there's just yeah, so, there's a ton. So, so the stuff has some yeah, of it has so, come out. Yeah, so he's, some of it. he's true to his word on that. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. It's all, but it's all for right now. It just it fulfills me with what it is. I'm, this last we had a project on a break last week. Okay, five 20-hour days to make this cool project, right? And I made four copies, and I went and I made, you know, got together and put all the pieces in printing and, you know, blocked it out and everything that needed to be done. It's like I was 18 tape trading again, right? And that's why I do it, but I'm fulfilled by carrying that tape around in my bag right now with a little label on it tells the guys that played and the lyrics and whatever. You know, I've got my copy to listen to on the plane. That's all that matters to me. That fulfills me. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Jason Newstead's a happy guy, man. I I would be too if I was a bass player in Metallica and could do whatever I wanted to do. Jason, thanks a lot, man. Uh, thanks for all the great music all these years. Thanks for all the <laughs> thanks for all the uh, the great music. What was he saying? You don't know. I couldn't hear him. No, uh, man. We cannot wait to see you tonight. Thanks for coming back to St. Louis. Can I say something about the show real quick. Now, I just want to get across that this is the biggest thing that any heavy band has ever taken on the road ever, ever. And it's 19 40-foot semis full of gear. And Whoa. it is uh, never the same 
any given song to the next given song. It is constantly moving. There is not a bad seat in the house. There's no there's no block sight anywhere. Every all the PA's flown, all the lights are flown. Not a bad place to see the show from. And uh, it's the furthest along uh, the interaction between band and fans. I think has probably been taken ever. So I took a vacation day to be here tonight, man. So I'm ready. Even if people don't like heavy music, just to come and witness what takes place with this is really cool. Well, that's a show I saw down at Bush Stadium. That yeah, stage was I clean. Was, I, I saw and that they, one too. Yeah, yeah, they were all over the place on that huge stage. Yep. They looked like ants from where I was sitting. But yeah, I mean, yeah, what's he? What he's talking about there is so the one nope. that he was talking about right there, though the, it, that happened in February of '97 was in the round. Oh, uh-huh. and um, I, I took off yeah. that night. I was doing seven to midnight on Casey and. Um, yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah. That's for sure. Jason Newstead, Metallica, thank you very much, man. Right thank you. Okay, can we do this real quick? Yes. We, here, I'll let you take my God damn, I was babbling. Maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're excellent, man. It was just fine. You get that thing Listen in the editing room? Uh, so he's gonna do some promos oh, for he, you. He does some. Howdy, hi, friends and neighbors. This is Jason Newstead from Metallica. <laughs> listening to the best classic rock and the best new rock on KSHE95FM. That was pretty good. Oh, yeah. KSHE95, you know it, baby. You know it, baby. Keep going. Howdy, hi. It's Jason Newstead from Metallica. Let's Crank it up because we're on KSHE95. Coming up next, right here, Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> hi, it's Jason from Metallica. Asking you to rock and roll up your sleeve during the KC Red Cross Blood Drive. Howdy, it's Jason Newstead from Metallica wishing KC95 a very happy slappy birthday. <laughs> okay. Over 30. Howdy, friends. Jason here from Metallica wishing KC95 a happy 30th birthday. 30th. Yeah. Yeah, 25, 55. I remember. 25 years ago. Uh, yeah. Hi. Hi. Jason Newstead here from Metallica <laughs> on KC95, wishing you the best of holidays. And remember, don't drink and drive. Just ride. Hi, it's Jason Newstead from Metallica, and the KC ticket window is now open. <laughs> Come on now. I can't believe we were having that was a morning show gig. Yeah. <laughs> Raging. Can't believe we were having artists do the ticket window. Hello there. Jason Newstead from Metallica. Please visit KC Live on the World Wide Web at www.kc95.com. Thank you. Wow. We had a website 25 years ago. Yeah. Oh, no. Every, every, every one of these, he just nailed he one, take one take everything. <laughs> I think he did. Howdy, hi, friends and neighbors. This is Jason Newstead from Metallica hanging with... Favaz on KC95. <laughs> awesome. All right. And I loved him for those promos. Just, <laughs> just those alone were fantastic. Yeah. All right. Good guy. And then he would come back later when I would do afternoon drive, and he would um, uh, come to the studio when the, uh, uh, the the powerhouse building, and that's when he was not in Metallica, and we talked again, and I have that one right here. Oh, should we do part two next week? Maybe. Sure. Yeah, Why not? Might as well. Yeah. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that uh, episode. Great interview again from Favaz, uh, and again, that was Jason Newstead. Even of- though I forgot to hit record, but...
Turned out great. <laughs> yeah, it turned out good. It added character. Yeah. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at STLUman. On Instagram, I'm Johnny Hewlett. And I'm Favaz AMF. See you later. Bye. The KC Tapes with you, man, and Favaz. For more on the history of KC, go to KC95.com or the KC mobile app.